first Tesseract podcast. The first Tesseract podcast. Welcome to it. The um, Tesseract podcast. <laughs> Who'd have thought we'd ever do a podcast? Tesseractband.co.uk. That is our website. I would advise you to go check it out. We don't advertise it hardly enough, uh, but it is the hub of all things Tesseract, so you should definitely go there. It is the hub of all uh, things Tesseract. As this is the Tesseract podcast, it would be stupid to not have an email address, and it is tesseractpodcast at gmail.com. And we would love for you to send in your questions, uh, any ideas of things that you'd like us to do with this platform. Um, I think the, the options are endless. The opportunities are massive with this. Um, and this being the first one, um, I think it's a great idea to include all the listeners uh, to get your ideas, really. So, yeah, if you have any, any suggestions, any, anything you want us to do in particular, people you want us to interview, uh, things you want to know about us, any interesting ways to make these really interactive and fun, then please do... You know, don't 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 be shy. Drop us an email, tesseractpodcast gmail dot com. Uh, I just want to drop another couple of few links in there before we get started. So, jpostonesdrums.com, is it? Yep, www.jpostonesdrums.com. Um, in case you don't already know, because we didn't introduce ourselves, I am Jay Postones, and I play drums in Tesseract. And sat to my left is Mr. Daniel Tompkins, who sings for Tesseract. Just for the record, can you confirm that it is only us two present in the room at this moment? It is so. only us two present in this room at the moment. Um, the others Could you are... state your name, <laughs> address? <laughs> I'm not giving out Day my address. <laughs> Absolutely no way. Although I can tell you that uh, my, my current address uh, is not in the UK. I'm, uh, I'm moving to Austin, Texas with my wife. But that is a whole thing that I... Uh, well, I think we'll get on to that. We'll get on to we'll all get that later. That. Um, just, on, just, on, but, just on your website, what is included on there? What should people expect and why should they go there? Absolutely. Um, the website is a bit of a brain dump blog at the moment. It's a place for me to dump all of my thoughts and funny stories and um, eventually some drum lessons is what, what's going to be going up there. Um, but there's a handful, maybe ten or so, blog posts. Um, I'm, I've got a couple more that I'm writing at the moment, and they're just designed to answer questions and help people with uh, drum and life-related issues. That's cool. What about um, Ackle? So, four, is it 4dsounds.com? Uh, yeah, Ackle4dsounds.com, I believe, which is his uh, mixing and mastering service. Um, as you may or may not know, Tesseract is a, a kind of a band in a box. We do near enough everything from our home studios, especially the, I mean, the last two, last three albums we've done in our home studios, haven't we? Yeah. Altered State, Polaris and Sonder. It is 4dsounds.com. It is 4dsounds.com. Yeah. Thank you for just, checking just that. Check. Um, and Ackle is the man... Uh, he's, a, he's the guitarist and the main writer, I guess is fair to say, yeah. in Tesseract. Without without him at the helm, um, we would all be writing music and it would not sound like Tesseract. He's kind of the filter that it all goes through and it ends up coming out with a very defined Tesseract sound. Um, but on the side, Akal also mixes and masters yeah. projects under his own name. So yeah, uh, do visit that site, check out some of his 
previous work yeah. um, and also Daniel Tompkins vocalist.com that's my little hub um, if you want to know what's going on head over there I don't have a blog actually um, I just have a whole ream of different links uh, Spotify playlists back catalogue uh, videos and uh, there's some there's a section on vocal coaching where you can head over to my vocal coaching site uh, there's some merch links so yeah just head over there it's basically the place where I direct everybody to now so yeah introductions out of the way uh, this is the first one I mean we, just to set the scene we are we have actually an amazing view we're sat in a hotel room we're in Portugal I don't know where we are in Portugal. That's the weird thing. I know that we are... Tomar? Is it? We're not in Tomar, we? I think we were just there to have a meal, but we're, we're kind of 30 or 40 minutes drive away from the festival that we're playing that I don't actually think I can pronounce. It's, Is it an hour from Lisbon? Okay. We, not... Yeah, about an hour from Lisbon. We flew into Lisbon. Um, it's Comendatio Fest. Comendatio Fest. Comendatio Fest. Yeah. But um, the, the view we have is... Uh, Fucking, we've got a football field, bizarrely, in front of us, and we can see rolling hills, green trees, blue sky, fluffy white clouds, and we can see miles and miles into the distance, and it's a beautiful view. It's I couldn't nice think of a place. better place to do the first podcast. No, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty nice, this. If we can do one with uh, any setting like this ever again, I think it'll be a good podcast. Yeah. This is quite strange, actually, because I don't really know who we're talking to because (laughs) this sounds stupid right but I'm guessing we're going to have some new listeners who've never heard of us before we've got old school fans new school fans uh, friends relations everybody listening to it so I mean it's if this is the first one it's the first time you're you're listening to us you must be thinking who are these weirdos just chit-chatting away um, but Tesseract's been around for a long time I don't I don't I don't think we should dive into the full history of the band on this podcast but Going since 2007, Akul, the main songwriter, started the whole thing and then slowly started to bring in the other members in the band, Jay, Amos, James, and uh, funnily enough, Abby, the first vocalist. Ah, second vocalist. Oh no, I apologise, yeah, second vocalist. He is actually here today and the guys haven't seen him uh, in For years and years. Time. In fact, and this is one of the first shows you ever did was in Portugal. Yeah. Well, the, before even before I, I came onto the scene, was it two thousand eight? I think, I'm, I think it was two thousand eight, and it was in Porto, and it was our first ever show abroad, um, and we played Chaos Emergente Festival, which was um, on a an outdoor basketball court, or maybe it was a couple of basketball courts. I can't remember. There was a huge. It seemed a huge stage at the time. Now it probably wouldn't seem like a huge stage, but it was certainly the biggest stage that we played. Um, it was attended by maybe two, three hundred people, so it was you know a fairly small festival. Um, but it was so cool. We were, we were very young in our careers. It was very early on, and going abroad was just like the biggest, craziest thing. It felt like wow, we've made it. We've done a show abroad. Um, I was just about to talk about that because of the state of the hotel room we're in. Yeah. <laughs> it's actually a really nice hotel room. It really is. Um, me and Jay normally end up sharing because... We're boyfriends. We're, <laughs> we're just stupid and a bit loud and I think the other guys don't like us that much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm joking. 
But no, we're in a really nice room today, and we've been doing this for a long time. And this is the second part of the Sonder World Tour, which we're starting. This is, is, it, the, is it the second part? It's kind of the rounding up of the Sonder World Tour, I think. We, so we've played, we've done Europe run. We've done have Europe. We? We've done Sonder. Yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we've we did the States twice. States twice, Europe, and Australia, then, India, Russia. Yeah. Um, and now we're back in Europe for summer festivals. Summer festivals, and there's more than I even know. Apart. Yeah, there's loads. Just we're, looking at the lanyard at the minute. It was the date. So it runs from the 15th of May all the way to the 23rd of August. Not consecutive dates, but... No, but until the 18th of July, it's pretty full on. There's over 30 shows in there. Yeah. Easy. We're out now until 18th of, August, of July, where we play Live Park... Rishon Letzian. Uh, yeah, sorry, that's probably completely wrong, but that's what it says on my laminate. Um, and then we have a little bit of time with our families, and then we come back out in August and play a bunch more shows. Um, cool thing about this run, though, is that it's not just festivals. We're doing a bunch of... We're doing a couple of headline shows, aren't we? And we're doing yeah. a, bu- a bunch of shows with Dream Theatre, which, if you'd have asked... It's the, great. like it's eighteen year old version of me that you'll well, you know well, not ask but if you'd have told him that you'd play a show with Dream Theater he'd have said no you probably won't <laughs> it's pretty I mental. mean I've always known about Dream Theater but I'll be honest it's never been uh, the type of music that I've got that I've lent to that I've gone to and listened to um, so I'm I can't honestly hand on heart say that I'm overly familiar with the back catalogue and I will have to start diving into that at some point soon Same to pay respect I do that all the time if I talk with a band that I've never really listened to I will go through the back catalogue and support them mm. um, but it's, it's like but when you're writing your own music all the time you just don't necessarily want to or have the mental capacity to or time or time to listen and enjoy other music so I, I completely. Well, oh, no, agree. Dream Theatre. Wow, yeah. And we're also playing with While She Sleeps on a few shows. Ginger. Um, I'm quite a bit excited to play some shows with, with Ginger, actually. There's That's another band that I hear a lot about, but I've not actually heard yet. Yeah. I don't really know anything about it, but. That's just me, because I, I really don't go out of my way at the moment to. It intrigues me music. because. I, I, I apologise, I can't remember the front lady's name, but um, she has a brutal scream. And I, I just find as a vocal coach, I love to hear different examples of Fry and and see how people cope with it. So I'm interested to talk to her actually about about, her, fry. about her, her technique, vocal Fry. It's a vi- internal vibration of the laryngeal walls. Wow. Okay. Which creates that <laughs> that ripple, a gritty sound which is a scream essentially but there are, there are multiple different ways of that we can talk about that another time because that's a whole minefield okay. um, so yeah the, this is the first well it's sorry we started in Russia we've done two shows and now we are really beginning the big run I guess mm-hmm. but this um, is going to be a comfortable run for us I feel because we've got um, it's the first first tour ever where we're on a bus and it's just us on a bus um, because we've done bus tours before haven't we but we've, we're always sharing and it, it's absolutely fine doing that it's comfortable everyone that we've shared a bus with has been great human so that's a good thing um, but it's uh, yeah the first time we've got 
our own bus, which kind of feels special. Um, it does, because over the past few years, we've rocked up at festivals and had to pull a little LDV van <laughs> in between huge nightliners. I remember, I think it was Grass Pop last year, we pulled, we had Limp Biscuit to one side. Two Limp Biscuit buses, one thing was Fred Durst's bus and the rest and yeah, was the, the other And we literally rocked up in a white van next door to these awesome With our gear crammed in the back. And it's and like we were actually playing the main stages, and all the other bands that were playing the main stages had big nightliners. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's a step up for us to actually have a nightliner. So. Yeah, you feel like part of the uh, part of the club when oh, you're traveling in the same the club, kind no. of vehicle. Uh, but the, the last couple of weeks, I've, I think might not be quite as comfortable because it's a, it's a lot of play a show, get on a plane, play a show. Get on a plane. There's a, there's a little bit of. To that. be honest, we're well versed in that, but it doesn't get yeah. any easier. That it that, do, it does get. But I'm not going to descend into moaning about the logistics of touring because I appreciate that people don't want to hear that. And we've also signed and up for it. We've also signed up for that, so I get it. But it's a very hard time. Yeah. Airport floors. As soon as you've played a show, until five a.m., waiting for a flight that then gets delayed. Is a bit of a nightmare. It's not great. So yeah, we'll we'll leave that to one side. But I mean, I love doing what I do. I don't know about yeah. you. No, totally. It, I it love is it. the it's the life and career that I very stubbornly worked towards as a as a kid. Um, I remember being in school, and the you must have had this as well. There was always a business advice, like a business counselor. Or career counsel, I think is what he was called. And mine um, told me to go down the pit. <laughs> well, mine when uh, I remember sitting down for an interview, and you had to have one every, oh, maybe every six months. Doesn't make sure it was what you know. You're still working towards it, and I was always definitely going towards the you know, working in IT, some kind of IT support, or it was always you need to do something that is a very specific. Uh, Easy to achieve job, I guess, because this guy's seeing like 300 kids and he just wants to tell them, go and do this. Um, I was always, I want to do music. That was my answer. And he's like, okay, yeah, you want to do music, but what what do you want to do? What's a career? And it's like, well... <laughs> to play music. Music is, is my career. And I think at that age, I'd have been maybe 13, 14, 15. It was leading up to my GCSEs, which for those who aren't in the UK, that's like the end of school exams. Um, and... Kids these days won't understand GCSEs. No, no, is that he's not GCSE anymore? When my mum and dad were growing up, it was oh, it was O levels. I did O levels. Yeah, what's an O level? Oh. Anyway, anyway, carry on. Um, and yeah, it would have been the last few years leading up to doing the end of school exams. Um, and I, I would not have had any idea what a career in the music industry looked like, but I knew that what I wanted to do was play drums. And I knew the exact type of music that I wanted to play drums to. It wasn't like I just want to play drums as a session guy and or I want to go out and do, you know, weddings and stuff like that. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do an original band. And I, I started bands. I left bands. I was kicked out of a band that I'd started. I had a roller coaster of a time to get to the stage where um, I was even in a position to feel comfortable trying to do Tesseract um, 
I just thought you had to gig and then get picked up by a random A&R guy that you'd never meet. Oh, yeah, totally. No one had ever turned up to your shows. Well, I think... That was literally the only way I thought that you could get signed is by a representative finding you. To be fair, it's not Because you hear all the stories of like, yeah, this band got picked up by an A&R guy, saw him randomly in Liverpool playing a small club, and then all of a sudden they get signed by Universal Records or something stupid like that. But it's, um, I think back in the day, I mean, the music industry has obviously changed loads over the past, well, ever since we that, did. Tell you something, that made it very, very difficult for us to do what we do. And I think we've, we've done very well to keep at it and still mm. progress the band to where it is. Because at the point when we got our, signed the first record deal with Central Media, that's when the industry was really changing. There was a lot of uh, all the digitization of music and the streaming platforms were really having a negative effect on on labels. They didn't know how to cope with it. Yeah. They had to kind of like redesign their their business models to you know try and find ways to make money. Huh? Um, and that that in turn uh, had a big impact on the advances that were offered to new acts via record labels because they didn't have the funds. There was there was a decline in business at one point. So that's why. You know, you look you look back a couple of decades. My a couple of decades now. That's only two thousand, isn't it? Yeah. All right, and then so like <laughs> late eighties, nineties, two thousands. When it when it got to the millennium and the millennium onwards, I think there was a huge. There was not a lot of multi million pound record deals knocking around. No. Do you know what I'm saying? There was support. Obviously, uh, but I think you had to really work your ass off it's and tour relentlessly. It's not the same. You, you didn't just get given a huge advance and then you go to a studio and then boom, you've made it. You yeah. get mu- music on the radio and TV and all that stuff. That, that only happened in the well, I mean, mm. 80s and 90s. Uh, but I think we, that, obviously. E- even now, I'd say we, we do things a little differently, even to some of our peers, because the, the way we handle... I'm not going to go... Too far down this rabbit hole because I don't know if it's appropriate or not. But the the way like we handle the finances when they do come in is instead of going into some big lush studio and spending ages, it maybe even writing. But well, I don't know. I don't think we could do that. But you know, ages recording in a place that's fifteen hundred two grand a day. We do a lot of it ourselves and have invested in the equipment and the spaces in which to do it ourselves and yeah. I think that's probably a better I think for people listening they're going to be thinking what are these guys talking about so to put it into some perspective when we signed our first record deal as Tesseract with Central Media Records that essentially enabled us to give the band a bit of money for recording the album and it sent us to America yeah the first that, that is that is what it did it, it opened up a door and we walked through the door naively not knowing what to expect and the, the first biggest shock was coming back from our first US tour with a couple of hundred dollars each and that was a couple of hundred dollars of like here you go you need a bit of money because the actual tour cost us five figures yeah so I guess now you know we've been doing it for a long time and obviously things build we've got bigger fan base we've released Far four albums four and albums. a few little side EPs and some some live stuff. We're working on the fifth album, and at this point, 
I'm 36, you're 35. Mm. Metal, did he turn 40 recently? Or has he? T- no, he's not, he hasn't, hasn't had the 40th yet. I think he's that in, next year. I think it's this year. This year? I don't know, we'll ask him. And we've all been, you know, slogging it away and been in different bands and recording and saving up all the money we can to buy the equipment we need to, you know, record at home and all this kind of stuff. And it does, only now does it feel like we are beginning to kind of like tip the balance in our favour. So if we go away on tour, for example, you know, we're okay. We, we get paid for that now. And it enables us to focus more on music than what it did before. Mm. Don't get me wrong, it is not a case of we go on tour and we don't need to get out of bed for the next year. <laughs> <laughs> Which, there are a lot of people that are in that very comfortable place. So mm. um, Yeah, we're not quite there. So I've got, so I've got a question then. So while we're on the, on, on the topic of being in a band... Yes. I, I am, you know, I'm very black and white with the way that I, I talk to people. And I have to say that I, I believe Tesseract is a successful band. You yeah. know, amongst you know, all the millions <laughs> of bands out there that are trying to get somewhere, we've been very lucky and worked very hard and we're in a good place. But that kind of has an effect socially on the people, how people around you in your life view you as an artist and as a successful musician. Has that come with any negative Ooh. side effects? Um, for example, have you lost relationships for one reason or another because of the fact that you're now a successful musician? I think... Oh, I've not thought about it as being a product of... Tesseract's relative success, but over the past few years, as I've got busier with it, there are definitely strains on my time for family, because I I barely get to see um, my family these days, Um, and by that I mean my mum and dad, uh, my sister, my um, uncle and his family, my wife. Um, I've this this year, for example, I've spent about, and this is we're in June. I've spent about a month with my wife, which is crazy, um, and that's because we've been away on tour a lot, and I I was away doing uh, a, another project for a little while. You just. Um, I think you're quite unsettled. Obviously, you're you're in between moving to the state. Well, you have yeah, moved to the states now. And yeah. There's a lot of things that come with that. A lot of pressures and absolutely logistical problems. And but I think that there's only one relationship in my life that kind of I chose to end. Uh, I'm not going to say the person's name, but it was a friend, and I consciously made an effort to kind of stop trying with this person because some of the I'd come back from a tour for example or an opportunity would be given to Tesseract and I'd talk to this person or in a group of people about it and be excited about it Um, and this person always just had something really shitty to say in response and why do you think that was? because honestly jealousy I think because, because of the type of experiences that we 
seem to have from an outsider's perspective looking into this because it's very weird on being on the inside to get a feel for the relative size of the band if you know what I mean mm-hmm. how, how far you are up the ladder I guess seeing your name higher and higher up the bill on festivals is a good indication of that but I think this person um, was, was seeing what I was doing and just I've known him I've known him for a very long time um, I think if somebody if somebody like that can't support you in times where you're succeeding in life I yeah. think there's obviously something going on in the background whether it's envy or jealousy or just because I mean for me if I if I knew somebody that was doing really well I'd be I'd be super supportive I'd be encouraging I'd want them to do better and succeed yeah. I mean that's just me it, it but, felt it just felt toxic and I, yeah. it was affecting <clears throat> me it, when I thought about the relationship it was affecting me so I just decided to 180 and walk away and yeah. it's honestly it's sad when it gets to that but you know you there are times when you know we, we go through different seasons in life and I think yeah, you know, pe- people change and yeah. relationships change, and there's, yeah, there, you, there's no harm or shame in, in walking no, away from that kind of thing. There's there's certain people that, um, and I do think about this as well. It's definitely not a product of Tesseract, and it's it's not something that Tesseract's done. It's just life. Like you, there's people that um, I I don't I just don't see anymore, and th- these people I'd still consider to be my friends, but I haven't seen them in years. Like. And this is a a great but sad example. Uh, I've got a another side project called Heights, which is just a three piece prog instrumental band, and we haven't even seen each other in a couple of years. I think um, we every now and then we get together on a Facebook group and have a chat, and every now and then a new demo will land. And I've I did write some drums to a, a few of the old demos at my old home studio. But because of moving away from the area that we rehearse in, um, I haven't seen the guys for a very long time. And that's one of the relationships, or two of the relationships, I guess, that I I, I kind of miss the most, if that makes sense. Because we, we had a lot of fun. And I'd like to think that at some point we'll be able to rekindle the music of that. Because it, it was a very different thing to Tesseract. Um, but it definitely a result of me being miles away and busy all the <coughs> Excuse time. Excuse me. Um, but, yeah, going back to your question, I I don't think... I can't really remember the question. <laughs> I was just asking if... I was, I, was, I was just curious, really, you know, to know whether... how you've noticed people acting differently around you since becoming uh, a musician or you know and because of that have you lost relationships with either friends or or, mm. or, the, or otherwise no not no the most people that I know treat me exactly the same because I've known them for a long time the weird thing is meeting new people who know you because of this and that's always a little bit strange when people when someone will come up and be you know, oh, hey hey Jay how's it going and know you because of the things you've done and be very familiar with your work or your playing and ask questions and it's often questions that I've I've never even thought of but these people have drilled so far into yeah. what we do it's like you know they'll ask me a question about a, a specific drum part 
that I've never even thought about. It's just something that I, I Have you ever had it where... Sorry, have you ever, have you ever had it? <laughs> have you ever had it when this is... Oh, God, I hate my accent. Hate, I hate my voice. I hate right. my accent. I've got the worst accent. What do you want it? But yeah, so when people have never met you before and they ask, oh, so what do you do for a living? Oh, yeah. I that hate one. that. I, I've stopped telling people what, what I do because it's, yeah. it's either people get embarrassed or don't know what to say or, pe- or the first response is, you know, people try and relate to that and go, oh, I've got, I've got a mate who's in the bandy place, yeah. you know, plays in the local pub, you know. It's yeah. like, cool. Yeah. Yeah, like, and, then, and then you think there's no point in trying to explain because it's so... Yeah, I... So different. And... I find it difficult to answer that question as well. That's... I, I tend to say, oh, I, I, I just do a few things, you know, because I, I, I do do a few things. I, I run some studios down in Reading in the UK, just rehearsal studios. What's the funniest and occupation you've told somebody that you don't do, but you do? I haven't, I've never made one up. But I feel like I should probably start doing that and challenge myself to like see the conversation through because I think it would probably even be a more fun conversation <laughs> than kind of awkwardly turning away after I say musician because the I don't think people in quite get it <clears throat> or at least that's the impression that I get and then the next bit is like oh are you are you are you famous and I'm like well how do I answer that without looking like an ass no not really but within Someone, I stayed in an Airbnb. Uh, earlier this year when I went to Milwaukee yeah. to do this deep the limitless solo video yeah. and I, it was a shared Airbnb and there was a couple that was renting a room out which was two doors down from me and in the morning I kind of like bumped into them and they got to know why I was there I was recording a video and all this all this kind of stuff and this one guy in the morning was like oh so are you a superstar? <laughs> yes I was like next <laughs> I was question like, um <laughs> I don't quite think so. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, uh, yeah, I'm going to ask you some questions. Let's move things along. Um, so one of the things that I that's important for me to do with this podcast, with this platform, is to be able to reach a lot of people, but importantly, be able to help a lot of people. Because I think... The, the bigger the band grows, um, the, the more people we play to, the more people that listen to us, the bigger a platform or the higher a mountain we've got to shout from. And if the message that we're giving out is one of help, if it's one that can help people get through life problems or traumas or just small things that they're trying to get past with being a musician or anything absolutely anything that we can learn about that we can share to offer um, advice advice a helping hand I, I, I would have appreciated that as a young musician absolutely that's kind of what I I want to try and seek from people that we talk to in these uh, in these podcasts and I'm going to have to I'm going to experiment with the questions that I ask to get the best responses from people because I, I don't really know how to do this yet but I've been listening to a lot of podcasts recently that have helped me through a lot of things and helped me kind of redesign some of the systems in my life and if anything I'd like this podcast to do a similar thing for people because it's such a great way to do it and you've 
Well, if you're passing on useful knowledge and, you know, life hacks. Absolutely, yeah. You know, people should know about it. Yeah. Totally. So, with that in mind, question number one, Daniel Tompkins. What is your superpower or superpowers? So, what is the one thing that you can do at a level that is quite unique? If you had to choose from everything that you do, whether it's in the band or not, it doesn't have to be not a literal superpower, but something that you think, without massaging well, the, an ego... Aside, aside from the obvious. Well, it can be the obvious, but like something that you're like, this is like above average. This is something that is a definite unique skill. You can say singing, but if there's anything else that you think is high up there um not really uh, that's a really I, I don't know how to answer that I mean singing is obviously some, something that I uh, I'm good at mm. um I'm good at other things I'm good at I like to think that I'm a good dad that's a great one you know I mean, aside from from the music my life is family and and singing and when I'm not singing I spend a lot of time with with my boys Mm -hmm. and I want them to learn things that I didn't know when I was growing up as a kid I want to be a good guide to them and be a good dad and Mm -hmm. a good a good role model someone that they can you know be comfortable in coming to me with any issues and ask all the questions you know I'll never tire of hearing them say why why you know What's this? What's that? Because I think it's it's brilliant having kids because they're so they're like sponges. They're just brand new. Everything's new to them. Everything, like they they don't know what half the things that they're looking at are, and they're so they inquisitive. Know what are. <laughs> <laughs> they know but you know, it's just this. It's their enthusiasm for life. Their zest for it. You know, my my oldest is only five. When he wakes up in the morning, he uh, he's wired all the way up until. Eight at night when he goes to bed, he's so fatigued, but he doesn't want to sleep because he doesn't want to miss anything. Because life's so great, and I think that's amazing. That it's tiring if it, it's tiring as a parent. But just going back to your question, I mean, I was never always a good singer, um, but it kind of links into what what you're saying about helping people. I have noticed. I mean, I don't really speak about it to that many other, to many other singers, or, or lyricists. But the, the amount of messages that I get from people just saying, just showing gratitude and thankfulness for the help that the lyrical content has given people is is overwhelming. I can't reply to everybody. I can't. Wow. It's incredible. So I guess there's some, there must be something in there in the way that I sing or the words that I write. I mean, people often say that, you know, they were listening to Phoenix, for example, there was one particular guy that said he was about to tank his car and end, end it. And as he was listening to the song, there was some something in it, some essence, some zest, some some passionate song, song lyric. Or so there was an aspect of the song that stopped him in his mm-hmm. tracks. And I've and that sounds a bit over the top and a bit like whoa, that's a bit heavy. But there's I have hundreds and hundreds of messages like that from mm-hmm. people, and I don't know whether other musicians get it, but. Maybe that's a superpower. Maybe it's helping people through music. Yeah, I I totally believe that. I think um, there is something 
fundamental in in music, like not not specifically ours, but in music that it attaches to or it activates a part of you deep inside that makes you feel something that other arts maybe don't, or maybe it's different for everyone. You know, some people maybe feel like with poetry, some people maybe feel it with, with you know, art in a gallery or whatever. Yeah, or everyone's different. Everyone's different. I'm but the same. It's like, you know, music <laughs> is a drug. It, it totally <laughs> is. Know, it's a, the way it makes you feel. And, and it also becomes part of your life. You know, you, mm-hmm. you experience your life and you listen to music and it becomes the soundtrack to your life. Absolutely. I mean, I, I can identify, especially at a younger part of my life when I was I want to say like 8, 17, 18, 19 uh, between 17 and 20 I don't know exactly how old I was and I first started hearing bands like Miss Sugar and Sixth especially back then um, I felt something for those bands that I hadn't felt for bands before like it was, it was like right this is exactly right for me and it, it was just it was playing the right the right music, the right sound. It was just perfect. Um, and I almost became jealous, like I wanted to be doing that exact kind of music. It was it was such a specific feeling, but it helped me because it it kind of decluttered the what what I what I want to do, what I want to do musically and helped me really focus on a very specific type of music, which I think you've got to do. If you're super broad and you're just playing a bit of everything, which I, actually I don't think many people do in music. I think you do end up pigeonholing yourself very specifically, fairly quickly once you become a competent uh, musician, once you, once you become to, capable of playing your instrument. Um, anyway, do you want another question? No, no. Um, name something that you want to do or change about yourself that you believe will make you a better person uh, and it can be as simple as changing your diet or exercising changing the way you handle finances uh, changing or adding a routine or it can be a combination of anything what would you do? Oh, I'm struggling at the minute with my diet I'll be very honest <laughs> I've got a one pack and it's a big one pack I'd love to be able to get rid of it, but the, the thing is, I'm super sporty. I, I do. I know it. I know it's a lot about diet and a lot about how you exercise, and mm. you know, there's all this stuff about intermittent fasting and keto diets and all this kind of stuff. But I need to get in touch with somebody that that can tell me what my body type is and give me a uh, give me a, a strict regime when it comes to eating. Some, I'll tell you what something it is. Something that I can follow and enjoy, but it also has to link into my family. Yeah. Because when I go shopping and get the weekly shopping. I've got to feed two kids as well as my wife and I'm the only pescatarian in the family. So it's about, it gets expensive if you're buying meat, non-meat products, all this kind of stuff. Yes. I, I, I love, I drink a lot of tea. I know I've got a lot of sugar. I've got, a, uh, I mean, I sorry, I eat a lot of sugar and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I play such a lot of sport, like squash in particular. I play three, three times a week at least. Mm. And that's an intense sport. I don't know if you've ever... Well, you probably obviously know what it is, but I'm sure there's loads of people that have never even heard about it, but squash is... You're basically in a court, four walls, and you have a little black ball 
that you and you have one opponent and it's about positioning your opponent around the court and you can be in one one end of the court for one second and the next second you can be lunging and stretching your whole body to reach at the far end of this court. I can't remember the dimension of the court, but it's good. Oof, so I think it's, it's got to be about like 30 foot, 30 yeah, square foot. Right. Right. Yeah. But yeah, apart from that... Um, How long have you played? Finances as well. Like I want to, really want to get on top of finances. I've got a lot, of, a, lot, a lot of things I want to get straight, you know what I mean? I don't have a pension anymore. Ever since leaving the police, there's all these little silly little things like I managed to get because when you have kids, you 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 know there's a, your perspective on life changes a little bit. Like I want to get them set up and ready in case if anything happens and mm. you know that kind of stuff. So I've got a will sorted. And this is all like dad stuff now, but um, yeah, I mean we're we're super lucky with you know me and, me and Emma, my wife, we used to live in a small semi-detached and then we upgraded to a bigger house and came with all the usual commitments. But we invested a lot in it because it it. It has a home studio in it, mm. so I work from home. It's now. a great space. It's uh, you know it's it's everything I need now. Yeah. But not changing things about myself, I would change my cheeks. <laughs> Your literal cheeks. My cheeks are starting to sag. What? I get look. Just do do some like face exercises. I do. I would also change my hair because I'm starting to go grey. Oh mate, you just gotta embrace this. I'd rather be full grey than sprouting greys. Nah, you gotta go. You know what I mean, it looks a bit scruffy. No one, okay, no one goes from being a full coloured head of hair to just waking up and being a silver fox. As soon as I start getting more, I'm gonna dye my hair grey. Okay. Or black. One one of the two. (laughs) I think either would actually look grey. Do the silver thing, like dye it. The silver fox. You have to like. How would you do that? Would you have to like dye it? Bleach it and then I don't understand the process, but I think you the could probably is, rough it's that look. Grow back, grow out, isn't it? Straight away. Yeah, so it is going to be better, better straight away. You better do it. You have to dye it every day. Just for men. You get scalp problems, which you don't want to be doing that on tour. Imagine dyeing your hair every day on tour. I want to change my accent as well. Yeah. In fact, I have done. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, well, you know where I'm from. Up, up north, north of well the it's, 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 it's north of London and for a lot of people that is basically very sad and I have, a, I have when I slip into it I've got a super thick accent I mean I'm, I'm even I'm resisting the temptation now to really get thick Mansfield when you're talking to your family I, and you're on the phone your voice changes so much you, I don't you know what it is like I think that. it's you know because you know, of the music and you know not pronouncing words and just being more articulate I really focus on that through music and I think it has yeah. changed because I haven't just stuck in one place for my whole life I've travelled around the world and I'm, co- I'm constantly on the move yeah. meeting new people it has my accent has changed yeah. but man when I'm at home it's and I've got my slippers on and my dressing gown I I've saw got... you in your dressing gown the other day did you? when we did we oh, got yeah. together on a video chat and I was like Wow, look at him go, he's just rocking the gown. Like, let me, let me give you an example of some thick East Midlands. Go on. All right, youth. All right, youth. All right, all right. All right. I mean, what's that? Or are you all right? All right. All right. Yeah. Ah, not bad. Yeah, it's true. But, but what about where I'm from? I'm from Birmingham, well, Wolverhampton, which is like the... 
Actually, no, I'm not. I'm not going to shit on anywhere. I'm from Wolverhampton. Um, I don't from like it. Yeah, but if I if I still lived in Wolverhampton, I would sound like how Dan just sounded, which is I'm from Wolverhampton. This same thing though. When you speak to your parents, yeah. you do drop into it. I do. I, it's uh, funny, you know. I've, my wife. There's part of that. me that just wants to just not care and just be 100 percent Mansfield and just stop the pretense. But the thing is, people will just hate me because I hate my accent. It's just it's so hard to understand. So hard to understand. So hard to understand. To, to, to. I I think, I don't know. I think it's a nice, friendly-sounding accent. Your one. I don't. There's some around the UK that I just think sound awful. Um, it's the funny thing is you don't have to go far in the UK for accents to change massively. That's yeah. the thing that's always got me. Like, I feel like in. And maybe it's only because I only speak English, but like when we've travelled in the States, it doesn't seem as though accents change that much from place to place, but I mean, they do, actually, yeah, they, they do. do. But you notice it, it's, but it's so not as micro as yeah, the UK. Because, you know, you, you travel one 50 hour. miles in any yeah. direction and you've got a completely different It's an hour's drive from Mansfield to Birmingham yeah. and the, dis- the the difference is just mind But then Birmingham, Oxford, and everyone in Oxford is like super nice, posh In speaking. fact, we met... Um, I'm going to have to shout up because I'm going to get a humbug. So my, my, my mouth's getting a bit... Tell people what a humbug is because I'm not sure that is a so universal. So a humbug is a little hard candy sweet which is mint flavoured. Are, are, they, are they veggie? Like a, uh, Vegan. Or whatever. Have they got anything crap in it that I can't have? It says that it has energy in it. Oh, great. Carbohydrate, fat, zero fat, zero protein, zero, <laughs> zero salt. Yeah, you'll be fine with this. Give us unbug, yo. Ge- gears. 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 Gears and unbug. Give. You get could you please give me? Could I have a humbug? Oh, that's good. Yeah, nice, aren't they? It does actually write I've got them from a garden centre. I've got to tell you this story. Right, just to break this up, I've got a super <laughs> funny story. So, Joel, bless him, is really struggling with his language. And it means that I can't, we can't potty train him. Because until a kid can articulate the fact they've done a poo or a wee, mm. you can't talk about potty and toilet. But he's, got, he's super interested in the toilet. So there's a, it's a bit of a toilet joke going on. Anyway, we went to a garden centre and we were walking around all the different flowers and looking at all the different colours and all of a sudden I was like, I need a toilet, Joel. So reluctantly drags him up, up to the toilets and there's these small little cubicle things and I, I had like a backpack, I've got the push chair, all the dad luggage holding his hand and it was raining. We are all like, oh, it's quick, you know, running to the toilet. And I went into the cubicle and it was really small and I was having to juggle all these different things. I was like trying to hold Joel back against the wall with my leg <laughs> while I'm trying to unzip myself and have it, you know, get on with it. But the problem was is that I had one hand holding everything, one hand holding my manhood, trying to keep Joel at bay. And as soon as I started to tiddle in the toilet, he got super excited. And he, he got so excited to see what, what was going on he dipped his head right over where I was peeling to look <laughs> in the bowl and I just wet his whole head. And he just like, it, it, this, this like sudden shock just hit him. He was like, what's that? And like looked up at me. It's all this dripping wee coming down oh his face. I'm like, oh, Joel. God. And I'm like, I'm trying to stop and I'm getting all these like babe wraps and I'm laughing my head off like, to wash him down in the sink. I was like, oh Joel, man, God. what are you doing? Didn't, um... I basically christened my own child. You did? With piss? 
Didn't James? James has got a great child piss story as well, hasn't he? Which, I mean, I'm sure he's, he can he, tell him. He's got many stories relating to... Probably, but didn't he accidentally... He was driving along and he reached behind um, his car seat to get a, um, a bottle of water because he was thirsty and without looking, took a sip and he had a mouthful of child piss <laughs> instead of water. <laughs> I don't know if he swallowed or spat it out. Knowing James, he probably swallowed. I remember the story. I wasn't on the tour. It was during the Alter State uh, campaign. And didn't he get out of a van holding a bottle of wee that he'd obviously filled because he couldn't get to the toilet in time? Didn't he tip it down the driver? <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> yes. He, oh, man. I, I apologise. I can't remember... Which tour it was or which driver it was, but we were in a van. The driver was sleeping in the van. We were in a. Um, most of us were in a hotel, but I think James had probably had a really fun night with a lot of beer and therefore passed out and fell asleep in the van. And the driver had pulled out a mattress thing, fallen asleep on that. And um, James was desperate for a wee in the night, but didn't. I think the van was locked or something, so he couldn't get out. But there was a bottle, so. He'd gone for a wee in this bottle. And um, maybe it wasn't a bottle, maybe it was something that didn't have a. No, it was a cup. It was a cup, it was wasn't a cup, it? That's why yeah, he'd, he'd filled a cup. And to he the slipped top. stepping out of the van. <laughs> and the driver undid the door to let everybody out and he just like tipped it all over. Yeah, James slipped and he, he threw this cup of piss over the driver. But the Poor driver guy. was. He kind of got up retching. He was like retching about to throw up because he'd had a load of piss thrown all over him. So that was nice. Um, and the, there was another time. This is going to be the last piss story, I promise, until I think of another three. We were. I think. What it was, about the time when he just wet the bed? Let's not talk about that one. I don't think he'd like that one. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't happen. I'm but, just joking. I'm, joking. Um, I'm not joking. There was um, one where. Uh, we were on tour with it was Elliot when Elliot was in the band uh, Elliot Coleman used to sing for us for a little while and we were on tour with Between the Buried and Me in 2012 in North America and we were playing somewhere very cold um, I don't know where but it was very cold because, and I know that because outside the RV that we were travelling in there was a huge pile of ice and snow and James got out to uh, have a wee and this was like at the end of the night after a show um, everyone had a few beers and he started weeing and he lost his footing while he was weeing <laughs> fell into his own stream of piss <laughs> and then puddle of piss and his knob was out as well and he was just like lying in his piss laughing <laughs> it was just such a mess but funny. that was that was so funny there's so many of them stories that I'm sure are going to come up but maybe not specifically about piss um, let me throw another question at you because it, it seems to draw out some good stories um, what's the single greatest piece of advice that you'd give to your 20 year old self <sighs> thinking about what you're doing now what, what would you want to know back then that you think would help you the most with where you were back then learn to sing properly Yeah. have the discipline that you've got now yeah Because well, you mean, are disciplined. Like, going back when, to when I was 20, I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, don't get when it comes to music and trying to be a singer, 
I've got no idea. Never studied music. Didn't know anything about the music industry, how it worked. I just had this desire to be in a band and tour, not knowing about the real, you know, the realistic aspects of how being in a band even works. So I mean, I would, I would probably just fill my younger self in mm-hmm. and say, you know, learn your craft, stop cutting corners, mm. and focus on one particular. Do what's achievable. Don't try and push yourself too hard. Because I did that a lot. Mm. Um, Singing outside of my range, writing vocal lines that were super unrealistic to do live. And I've had a very hard time over the past seven years having to retrain just to be able to do what I'm doing now. I mean, that you could say that's a good thing because I'm now a much stronger singer. I can do all the all the good stuff but I'm still not consistent I would tell myself to be more realistic in my approach and look for consistency and that's it that's good that's the main bit of advice Mm. I think to be honest that's probably it's a similar answer that I think a lot of people would give you'd want to give the younger version of yourself the best bit of helpful advice that's the the thing that's let me down the most though it has like if you look if you look at you know, YouTube videos of me singing from 2011. I'm breaking all the rules. It sounds strained. It's horrible. I was losing my voice after like a week on the road. Mm, I remember that. Yeah. And it, it kept, that made me so nervous and insecure and frightened. And I mean, alongside all of the pressures of being in a new band, going through that on, as, a, as a vocalist mm. at the same time was like, I think for mo- most people would have quit or stopped. Yeah. But I think I just, I, I wanted it too much. So I worked through it. So, <clears throat> and it's caused me a lot of, not a lot, but I've had backlash from not being able to pull off certain aspects of the music live. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed in myself. I wouldn't be disappointed. I'd say it, it's just life experience, you know, the, and everyone is guilty of this, especially in the genre that we are in. Um, writing stuff on record that is unachievable, or writing stuff in a studio that's unachievable live, and you now don't do that because you, you've learned that lesson. You're writing stuff that you know is within your capabilities. And yes, it's, it's stretching for the next thing, I'd say, all the time, but you know that this is going to be achievable on the stage. It's still um, difficult. It is still but you really think, difficult. The thing is I've learned... Oh, that's another thing that I would tell myself, is learn your material properly. Yeah. You don't know... You, 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 you have not developed the muscle memory and become super in tune with, with your own pitching techniques mm-hmm. until you've sang through your own song consistently for weeks on end mm. and you've got to incorporate it into a routine that is an hour long yeah. a, a live scenario it's not just about singing one song and learning it because that's in isolation you know singing it taking a break coming back at the next day you've got to do it amongst seven or eight other songs that you're going to do live because you, the way that you perform it's going to change you've got to balance your whole body mm. your, your breathing 
there's so many different aspects you've got to get right. It's a balance for me. It's a balancing act. It's like walking on a tightrope. If I don't get one particular part right, it throws off. It throws off. Yeah. You know the big notes towards the end of the set. Mm. It's a whole. It's an energy that you tap into. Yeah. I think. It is, yeah. I think that's true for everyone. I mean, I, I certainly feel. Um, like almost like what I'm doing is a dance. That's a weird way of describing mm. it, but I I have certain movements, a certain rhythm. Well, I'm a drummer, so obviously, but th- there's a certain way that I move, even on my drum stool that I'm aware of, where like the way I'm positioned on it, um, mentally counting in, in the quiet parts of songs where there's no drums and all, all of this stuff. And... It's, this is going to sound like the most obvious thing, but I, I can't miss a beat, if that makes sense. And not literally miss a beat, but I, I'm i thinking... Or... How, oh, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. I'm I'm not thinking, actually. It's probably a better way of saying it. I, I just know where to go. That's it, what you're saying. It's totally intuitive. You don't I, think about it. It's ingrained. It's ingrained. If I do think about it, that's when mistakes start to happen. And the the best thing to do before going on stage as well as physically warming up for a little bit because I don't do loads of that is mentally warming up and I know that you do that a lot mm. you you get you're getting into the zone um like you're you're moving a lot you're you're uh I can see like grabbing the mic doing vocal warm up singing along to songs you've got like a, a pre-show set list haven't you that you sing along to um but I have to mentally prepare myself basically through meditation. And I can do mm-hmm. do that pretty much anywhere now. But that's... That all comes part and parcel of relaxing. Yeah, Being totally. relaxed on relaxing. stage. Bring your heart rate down. Don't be anxious. Don't have too much adrenaline. Because yeah. the moment you become overexcited, you begin to tense. You get yep. you muscular constriction. You lose your rhythm. Lose your timing. Time dilation. Lose your pitch. All that sure. kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, the, the weirdest feeling is when... There's you've had too much too much caffeine or too much adrenaline definitely does this. You hit the stage too excited, and playing to a metronome then becomes a real problem because everything actually slows down. Everything feels like it's it's a much slower song when in actual fact it's not. You, you if we were to listen to a recording of the song of us playing it, it would be the same speed uh, as the night before, same speed as the record because um, we play to a metronome but in that time and space on stage in my brain I'm playing noticeably slower or the, the song is noticeably slower and that's a very bizarre feeling because there's, there's no way that I know of to train for that you can't train your body to be prepared for everything to feel very slow and it's when you want to go Crazy. 100 miles an hour it's constantly it's a learning curve all the time yeah it totally is like it, another big big thing for me is climate. You know, last year when we played Download Spain, yeah, and it was absolutely we were facing the sun facing and it was blisteringly yes. hot. Was oh, I couldn't sing. It completely zapped everything. Mm. Gone. I've now got to prepare for that, and that was I only learnt that last year. Yeah, I've never I've never been in that situation. Yeah. You learn new things all the time. Definitely. Um, should we do one more question and then wrap this up? How long have we been? Nearly an hour. Nearly an hour, 59 minutes. Well, we've got to, it's, it's 20 to 8 now here in Portugal. We've got to be downstairs at 8 to go and do a quarter kick. past 8. Quarter past 8, yeah. Um, okay. Let um, me, let's, let's, do some, let's, let's do some quick fire questions, one word answer. 
Okay. And we'll think of them on the spot. But you can ask that question as well. Sure. Okay. I've got two. Um, maybe we can. Maybe we've got time for both. You don't have to answer this, but because this is a very prying question, um, and it's going to be personal to everyone. But I I know how I'd answer this. How much money do you think you need to make, taking into consideration your current lifestyle, um, living costs and everything, to feel absolute like financial freedom and be that it can be any amount like some people will say a million some people will say I'm nearly there my only issue is I've just I've got some money that I I owe people or owe or owe you know there's something going on in the background whether it's a mortgage or whether it's bills or whatever but I would say right at this moment in time for for the life I am there I mean obviously because you know Emma's got a job a good job because she's a teacher um, I'm doing this I've got the vocal coaching thing I'm just about to start the unity blends thing mm-hmm. it's enough to pay the bills yes the only problem is it's not enough to save and that's, that's what I'm that... looking at in, in terms of the future saving and pension all, yeah. and all that kind of stuff totally but I would say for me to for me to be comfortable at the minute m- on a monthly basis I would need to be earning 1500 which is hardly anything in the grand scheme of things. The yeah. problem with, with what we do is it, fl- is it fluctuates a little bit yeah. per month to cover the bills and to have a bit of money to save for, yeah. for things, you know. Okay. Alongside what Emma earns. Because yeah. obviously we have to pay for the kids and all that kind yeah, of stuff. So, I mean, I'm talking from personal yeah. perspective. Does that answer the question? No, that's good. I mean, uh, yeah, I totally... That, that's, that's, that is a good answer. Um, but I... I, I d- See, I get a bit frustrated when you see people saying they don't earn money from their projects to live, and then you realise that the lifestyle that they're leading is so flamboyant. You've got to decide. You've got to uh, design. Because you do make your... music. You, you do make money from music. Yeah, we do make music. You know, royalties, streaming, publishing, gigging, merch, to, merch touring. We make right. money. It goes on big things like production, and we invest in the business, and mm. all you know, all transport costs, and everything. A uh, shocking uh, amount of money that amount. goes out. Before we get we, we get the the drizzle down effect of the remains because we have to pay for crew, mm. and you know, there's management costs, agencies, overheads, are overheads are massive. But you do make money from it. But you've just got to be realistic with it. Yeah. I hate it when people say they don't make money from music because it is, you can do it. Yeah. You know. Okay. That was a quick one. Um, Here's one more that's another thought provoker. You have one message that you can get out to the whole world so the whole world will see it. Everyone in every country, they'll understand it. What is that message? Love yourself and love other people. That's good. You've got to love yourself. If you don't love yourself, you can't love others. Yeah, don't love yourself, you're miserable. That's good. I don't know what mine would be. Probably should have thought of an answer. Probably something like that. I'm thinking now. Yeah. Got, I'm, I'm actually nice. thinking. Well, <laughs> I didn't ask myself, but I'm thinking what mine would be. Um, mine would probably be um, help, help one another. Oh yeah, like totally. You know, the, 
so so many people are focused on themselves and myself included historically I've I've definitely put myself first on more than one occasion but I'm learning that helping others yeah. is far more rewarding yeah, yeah. and maybe that's a selfish thing because I feel better when I help people but that's that's kind of is you know you you're tapping into the same thing I said you know loving other people coming, yeah. you know oh, yeah, respecting totally. people helping people you're only here for a short space of time mm. life's life is a battle and you've got to help each other you know absolutely definitely rapid fire round have you got rapid fire questions favourite Corey um, Madras do you like fish and chips yes have you ever been fishing yes have you caught fish yeah have you killed a fish no have you ever been fly fishing no have you ever have you ever thrown a brick at a pig <laughs> no <laughs> have you ever tipped a cow I wish actually no I haven't no I don't wish but no I haven't tipped a cow what is the most bizarre thing that you've climbed ooh um I don't know no I don't know yeah. I've climbed mountains but that's not bizarre um, Where's the strangest place you've hidden? <laughs> it's not a one-word. It's, it's not a one-word. One word. There is. A, I, I hid under a big pile of coats from my sixth form, which is for people aren't in the UK. That's college. Um, my sixth form uh, head in my old school music studio because I didn't go to any other lessons other than music in the last part of school. <laughs> And he was looking for me for about six months to bollock me. And he came into the music centre. I saw him walking along and I hid under... It was a pile of bags and coats. I dove into it, pulled all these coats over me. And I heard him coming. He goes, has anybody seen Jamie? And um, my mate, who was my best man, Steve, was like, no, I haven't seen him actually. Uh, he, was in here, he was here earlier. Maybe he's popped out to get some food. Um... But no, I, I was very much there, hiding from him, and I'm pretty sure my shoe was visible. But I was, uh, you know, I was in the dark, so God, it was, that, that's where that's I've the got, most bizarre place. I'm going to do some more quick fire stuff. But I want to tell you this one time I hid from my regional manager in Wicks. <laughs> God, I was used to be the warehouse manager, so I was in, I was I had a forklift truck. I was in, I was stacking things in the big racks and all this kind of stuff, and we used to have you know pipe lagging. No. So you know, like you get copper pipes. Oh yeah. yeah and you have like the insulation to go around them. Yes, I do not. So you get the, like the pool they're like things. the boxes are. You can get them like six foot long, mm. huge big cardboard box. And I used to have this little computer station in the back of the warehouse, and it was like it was getting towards the end of the day, and this big regional controller came, and he was relentless. He was a punisher, and, and I mean, like he was nasty. so nasty, yeah. and he used to, yeah, people were so afraid of him. And he ended up, some some reason, he turned up at the store and I didn't know he was there. And it was me and my colleague were in this big warehouse. And I hid from him, uh, my, my colleague, and I got inside this cardboard box. And I put it over the top of me. And I was waiting for him to come around the corner. And all I had was a little hand flap thing. And I, and I, was, I looked like a little Dalek inside a box. <laughs> And this regional controller walked around the corner and I absolutely bricked it. He walked right up next to me. He stood. I could see his legs. Oh, my God. He could have easily picked up or moved the box and would have found me underneath it. (laughs) And he was there for five minutes. 
and that was the longest five minutes I've ever spent inside a cardboard. Oh my god, it was brilliant. Anyway, right, what's your favourite type of underwear? Um, H and M, the comfortable ones that are medium or large. I can't remember. <laughs> They're about thirteen quid, and they come in a pack of three. How much do you spend on underwear a year? Thirteen quid. <laughs> Not enough. I've got so many old pairs of underwear that uh, my wife would prefer that I throw away because she refers to them as the small faded black ones. I've got about 20 pairs of small faded black ones and they're not very comfortable, especially on flights. They, they dig into my... Uh, what's that bit there? Is that... The V. The V. You know what I mean, the V, the bit where your leg starts to go Do towards your bits. Do you still own bits. a pair of Y fronts? No, I haven't got a pair of Y fronts. Do you? No. Right, five more quick questions I've got to think off the top of my head. Right, here we go. If you had to choose between lemons Yep. or limes <laughs> Good God. <laughs> what would it be? Um, ooh, limes because they go in margaritas and margaritas are beautiful. Okay. Favourite country? For no particular reason. Um, I'm going to say America. I would say the UK, but I think it's a shit show. I think America is probably not great right now, but I, I'm very comfortable in America, and that's where I'm moving to with my wife, so America. 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 What is your favourite percussion company? Can be any type of percussion, and why? Percussion company. I I, I work with many percussion. Yeah, companies. that's what I'm saying. So choose one. What's, I, what's I haven't actually. I haven't got a favorite. I mean, okay. Growing up, DW because they're like, the they percussion percussion in terms of drums definitely DW. They were my romantic drum company of my childhood. Have you ever been inside one of those huge windmills that are cropping up everywhere? No. But I bet that would be a good tour if you could. Well, maybe not good, but interesting. You know, you went to Dubai. Did you go to the, the top birth. of that tallest building in the world? I've been to the top of that tallest building in the world. It's yeah. kind of crazy. It's very big. Like that kind of looks like the future when you go when you go to Dubai. If you go to Dubai, I'm sure you will. It, it's a very surreal thing to look at. It's huge, absolutely huge. Looks like it's going to take off as well. I think they're building another one now, like a bigger one. It's ridiculous. Go on then, you've got to ask me five, five questions and we'll call it a quick, quick fire round. Could be anything. Okay. Um, ale or lager? Ale. American gravy or English gravy? English gravy. <laughs> For people who don't know, American gravy is some horrible white crap. <laughs> And That's horrible. English gravy is uh, meat or fake meat flavoured brown crap. It's delicious though. Um, McDonald's or Burger King? McDonald's. I'd say neither actually. And, and, well, you've got to choose one. You've got to, I've got to choose one. Um, quails or pigeons? <laughs> <laughs> quails. I, 
I don't have another one. I haven't got any good ones. Um, no, because we're gonna have to edit this super hard if if I had to take the spend ages. We're not editing this one bit. We're not editing this one bit. Okay, coffee or tea? Well, it's gonna have to be tea. Ackle or James? <laughs> Ackle. <laughs> okay. Ask me again. Same same question. Ackle or James? James. Oh bless you. He loves them equally. Ask me again. Same question. Me or Moss? Moss. Okay, that's fair. Skinhead or long hair? Skinhead. I enjoyed the long hair, but this is the most comfortable thing ever. Um, I really enjoyed it when I did it. The only thing was, I looked stupid. No, you didn't. I did. You cut my hair? I did. I was the first person in the world ever to give you a graded head. You were, yeah. That was amazing. It felt it was so good. Was I remember amazing. it felt that it was a lot of hair. Like when we picked it up, I afterwards. felt really privileged. Yeah. Let, let me chop your locks off. That was that must have been a difficult time for you. We filmed it, but I don't have that movie anywhere. I've got photos, but anyway. Right, um, I think we're going to wrap it up then. So let's wrap it up. Uh, I want to try and get into the habit of doing this, but yeah, just to remind you to go check out tesseractband.co.uk. Um, by the way, we have got a new merch store. We've got a new merch company that we're working with. And there's loads of new designs up there at the minute, so I want to give that a bit of a push. We're writing for our fifth studio album. Uh, it will it, That will start to intensify August onwards, hopefully, once we've done this summer run. Looking forward to playing all these shows. Uh, jperstonesdrums.com for all things J. Mm-hmm. DanielTompkinsVocalist.com for all things Dan. 4dsounds.com for all things Ackle. What's the website, the email address for this podcast? Uh, the but Moss doesn't have a website. He doesn't need one. And neither does James. James has got a whole type PR. Oh, a whole type PR. Yeah, so oh, that's actually a good thing to mention, actually. If you're, if you're a band out there and uh, you're looking to further your careers and get your music reaching wider demographics, getting reviews, getting uh, webzine and magazine placements, then you're going to need a PR company to help you with that. James runs a hold tight PR and he is always up for helping out bands. And so. he's very, very well He's very well connected, connected very good at it as well. He's very so. good at it. Um, yeah. If you want to get in touch with us directly then you can email us at tesseractpodcast at gmail.com. One thing I wanted to mention is we are looking for fans that have interesting occupations, and that can be absolutely anything. Something you deem as interesting. Some, something you think is interesting, well, and we would like to interview you and get you on the podcast for 10 minutes to tell us why it's interesting and what it is that you do. Uh I think that could be quite a nice way of getting fans involved. Absolutely. And us uh, meeting some new people. So. Um, also tell us what you'd like us to discuss in these podcasts, because we're just talking to each other in this one. Um, if there's any questions you'd like us to answer, if there's any people you'd like us to talk to, because we obviously have met a lot of people and meet a lot of people doing this um, and we have access to a number of musicians it's fair to say yeah. so we can try yeah. to get them on here for a podcast uh, for an interview um, and I hope this was enjoyable I think it's a good starting point I think it's a good starting point I enjoyed doing that cool bye 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 <laughs>